Merry Christmas, everybody. Woo! I've released an episode every week now for 22 weeks. Um, can I get a round of applause? Thank you. Thank you. Episode number 22. This wasn't, I, they're all fun, quite frankly. Uh, I interviewed uh, Kozo, Kozo Chaos, who is a juggler, magician, and street performer. Uh, this was cool. This was fun. I wanted to get the idea, I wanted to get a better idea of what was involved in being like a professional busker, like how viable that is money wise, what the life kind of looks like, and Honestly, I was really fascinated with the money side of things because my first thought when it comes to like busking is that nobody's making any money, you know, especially since no one carries any cash around anymore. Uh, anyway, I'll let you I'll let you get into the episode. Um, I've included his YouTube channel, which has more subscribers than me. I mean, quite frankly, I think every guest that I get on this podcast has more subscribers than me. I've also included his Instagram below, which has more followers than me. And quite frankly, I think every guest that I get on this podcast has more followers than me. Uh, and I've also included his website down below, so check that out. Enjoy the podcast. I've got some cool things coming to the channel the moment I can be asked to do them. Um, yeah, so enjoy. Tell me what you think and subscribe. Bye. There we go. I always forget to do that. The clap. Oh, the clap. That's up. important. Damn, yeah. man. It's so important. That. Otherwise, like I'm like spending literally like, I don't know. 20, 10 to 15 minutes, uh, not 20. We should have like, communicated. We could have done it. We could have done it. Should we just yeah. do it again right Let's now? Do it again. Yeah. All right, three, well. two, one. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, dude, who are you? Hey, uh, my name is Kozo Chaos, and uh, I am a juggler, magician, and street performer. And uh, are you based in well? You're based in Wellington, right? Now, yeah, I've recently moved here. Uh, before here, I was in Melbourne. Yeah. And then before that, I was in Auckland. What's, um, I'm guessing, COVID? Brought yes. you back over here from Yeah, Melbourne, right? I kind of moved over to Melbourne. Be like, okay, I'm going to be based here, do my yeah. thing, starting getting gigs and touring around the world. And then, you know, COVID happens. I was like, nah, I have to come back because Melbourne lockdown was like eight months long. Brutal. I spent like six months of that. Really? Yeah. How are you supporting yourself? Oh, man. I went through my savings, eh? And yeah, then I couldn't get any government support from Australia, so I had to come back. Was there any kind of like foreign aid that you could apply for from New Zealand being overseas? Like, I wonder as like a New Zealand citizen, like, hey, I'm in Australia and I can't survive. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like a relief package or yeah, something? I don't like think, that? Uh, I didn't meet the minimum requirement. I think some people were, but like, I was, I was only there for like two years. So right. like, I was kind of new in Australia. So. Oh, I mean like New Zealand giving you money while you're in Australia. I don't think that was possible. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I can't imagine it would I be. I think you have to be in the country. In the country the to get support. it. Yeah, that was what I was trying to do, but didn't work out. So, Dude. So was last, like, was this year supposed to be, like, your year? Like, the big year? Well, like, last year was, t well, 2019 was definitely my biggest year. Right. Like, I went all over the world and, you know, did really great shows, made some money, and then I was like, okay, cool, 2020, I'm going to go to other places. Like, I was going to do Canada, I was going to go to Germany, but had to cancel all of it. How old are you? 
I'm 28. 28, okay, good. Yeah, I almost forgot how old I was. God, that's good for me, okay. I'm 25, and okay. I always get worried when I'm like, when I see, meet people who are younger than me doing more than me. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, I got to speed up. But you're like where I want to be at your age. Okay. Touring, doing your thing. Cool. That's awesome. Do you find, so, so you're a magician, street performer. What kind of street performance do you do? Uh, well, in my street show, mm-hmm. I do like a 40-minute show. And I call it a circus stunt show, and I do like fire juggling, knife juggling, and I do a thing called ladder walking. So I have I've seen that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got like a ten foot ladder, and I balance on top, freestanding, and then I juggle while I balance. A lot of practice. Lots. Yes, ladder walking is actually very <laughs> difficult. Have I, you ever busted your ass, like broken any bones? Ah, uh, not. I haven't broken any bones, but I have like fallen, like in the wind. Like it'll push me off quite easily. Or I've had like. You know, drunk people come through, try and push me off. But luckily, I was, you know, I saw the guy coming. So I was like, oh, this guy looks dangerous. Hop down and yeah. Plus, you have your knives. <laughs> yeah. You know what I that mean? That as well. I'm going to hurl those freaking They don't really care if I've got a knife or not. <laughs> Do they not? They just go for it? Yeah. I, I can't use it as a weapon. That's yeah. true. Are they not, they're not sharp, are they? Yeah, a little secret. They're not sharp. Damn. Should we? I don't want to give away any secrets here. It's just censor that part. I'll censor that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, no. They're, just, they're actually made for juggling. They're props. So they just look sharp. But, you know, we can't actually use sharp props, especially it's, on the street. You know? I bet. Is there like a, um, is there, do they, so you start with, Juggling, what do you call them? Not balls, but the uh, sticks. Yeah. Juggling sticks? Oh, numbers? yeah. Uh, clubs. Clubs. Yeah. And yeah, relative cool. to, the, to the knives, are they are they like pretty much identical as far as weight uh, goes and feel? For me, I find... Well, clubs are definitely easier. They're lighter. They're made of plastic. But mm-hmm. knives are... I don't know. I don't really like knives that much because they are heavy mm-hmm. and they spin really awkward. And especially, you know, they're not sharp, but they're still, like, made of steel. So, like, mm. there are sharp edges that could kind of cut your hand. So, I do prefer clubs, and it's definitely easier to learn yeah. and do tricks with. I imagine with the wind, too. It could, like, catch. The knives are pretty wind-resistant. They like, are. I've juggled them in the wind quite a few times, especially here in Wellington. Yeah, hell yeah. Most of the time, like, maybe 85% of the time, they're wind-resistant. And then when they're not, they just swing a tiny bit to the left. Yeah, I can feel it like it. getting pushed to the right. side or like towards me. So like I try and find where the wind's going and like I try and juggle towards the wind. Because mm-hmm. then if it does blow away, it'll just come towards me and True. I can just you know, gather them or whatever. That makes sense. Yeah. So I want to get back to 2019. Yeah. You <clears throat> took your, do you take your act or are you just performing uh i take my show so okay. basically i just have a suitcase full of props and that is my 40 minute show right and then yeah and then i've just got a carry-on bag with clothes and <laughs> costumes or whatever and then i just you know take that around the world and uh i do cabaret acts as well like okay. stage performance like i can do like a six minute comedy bit or juggling to music or magic so those are smaller props so they fit in my carry-on and just carry it all around with me and then yeah do do uh while i do festivals around the world like i mainly do buskers festivals okay and fringe festivals so like last year i did like uh edinburgh fringe mm-hmm. before that i went to london and i performed in covent garden with my street show and then in edinburgh i did uh my my street show there as well and then a few few cabaret spots and so when when you're doing these um like the street shows right yeah. are because you have to pay to get into the fringe festivals right uh 
as a street performer, I don't think you need to pay. Because okay. I know the indoor shows, you have to pay like a registration fee and a yeah, venue fee. Yeah, it can anything. be quite expensive. Yeah, for street performing, I don't think... I can't remember. I don't think there was a registration fee. If there was, it'll be small. Okay. But you do need to register as a street performer to perform on the uh, designated spots. Okay. Yeah. So. And so you'll get allocated like a 40-minute slot. Yeah. So basically with street performing, well, for example, in Edinburgh. Run me through the whole process. Yeah. It's like, you're. I want to perform as a street performer yeah. in Edinburgh. What do I do? Okay. So you go on the website, okay. register as a street performer, and then you send through your, your detail, your info your insurance details and then you when you arrive you get a pass as mm -hmm. a street performer pass and then pretty much every morning at 10 a.m there is a draw where we all meet at the uh the saint gills cathedral i think and then pretty much there's going to be like 100 street performers there every morning and we do a thing called a draw where we put our name badges in the bag draw out names and then we have a big whiteboard with our names of the spots and time slots right and then when your name gets drawn you go up front and then you write your name on your preferred time and spot and then that's your show for the day is there a chance you don't get a spot yeah definitely because uh there's too many performers so normally if you're lucky you'll get one but uh one a day one a day yeah can you get more two three four uh if someone decides not to do their show that they booked we get you know like a message on, on a facebook group or something saying hey there's a spot open, there's a draw five minutes before we meet up and then try and get that spot. So Right. We always make it fair by doing a draw. We don't we don't do first come, first serve. So So there's a real chance that you could go to Edinburgh Fringe and how many days are you doing? Are you doing like the thirty days? Yeah, the whole whole run. Yeah. Okay, it's so the whole run. There's a chance that like you just don't get anything. Yeah. I had Slim. a friend I had a friend that had four days in a row that didn't get a show. Which is like, oh man, that kinda sucks. But there are well, the thing with Edinburgh, it's quite big. So, like, you can actually go somewhere else and do shows as well. Like, there's, there's spots. But uh, otherwise, you can wait around, see if someone, you know, doesn't do a show or someone can't make it to their spot and then mm -hmm. jump in. And are you living, like, when it comes to money, like, check to check when it comes to those shows? Like, let's say your friend <coughs> who didn't get four shows in a row. Mm -hmm. Is he just, like, all of a sudden, like, holy crap, okay. You know, I have no money now. I really need to get a show going. Yeah. Or are they pretty self-sufficient? Um, I think some people will go prepared. To, mm -hmm. Well, most of us are prepared to go to lose money, right? Because sure. making Classic a profit at fringe festivals is very difficult. Mm -hmm. Like, we're pretty happy if we break even or make a small profit. But, like, we're all just there to have fun, you know? It's mm -hmm. like an annual gathering for us. I mean, for everyone, I guess, because it's a... It's the world's biggest arts festival, so like you get all the performers in one spot for the whole month. It's just a big party. Yeah, it sounds like fun. Yeah. I want to do it. I want to do it. Are you doing any of the fringe festivals here in New Zealand? Uh, no, I was. Uh, I because the deadline closed for yeah, New Zealand fringe. Yeah, yeah, I like I didn't even know I was coming back. Right, and Classic. then I came back and I was like, oh, maybe I should you know try and apply for the fringes. I had like a week before mm -hmm. the deadline for New Zealand fringe. I was like, oh, it's not quite a, enough time to kind of sort out and do something because like i have new ideas that i want to do for my indoor shows but mm. then i've got my my usual indoor shows that i could have just be like hey i'm gonna do this but i did three years ago but i want to do something new instead so i decided not to register fair enough yeah it's, but it's, i'll be around for it yeah yeah well i was gonna say like 
with your performance, I wonder if you could still just do your street performance during Fringe. Yeah, pretty much. That's the plan. I'm just going to do, you know, I'll be on Cuba Street or over Waterfront doing my shows. I mean, I'll try and get like cabaret spots. Like, mm. I know there's a few variety shows that look for acts during Fringe. So Definitely. I'm going to try and talk to people, be like, hey, do you need a juggler? Do you need a magician? <laughs> Everyone needs a juggler. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> I uh, I think that's a, a real, that's a real option, man. Because I think when you're, Going into the fringe festivals, for mm-hmm. the most part, like the the advantage you get from paying for your registration and paying for those things is it is advertising. Yeah, but I don't really know. Like, do you advertise as a street performer? As a street performer, no. Uh, it's foot traffic that you really. Yeah, going well, for, when right? I'm actually on the street, yeah, because that's the that's the hard part about being a street performer: starting a show. You yeah, have to gather your own crowd. And you the people that are such so- a hype man, yeah. yeah. Hey. The people that are stopping, they don't know what they're about to see. Yeah, exactly. So you're like, hey, sir, come watch me. I'm pretty good, you know. Do you reckon you could be a good salesman? Uh, I've done spruiking before. What's spruiking? Spruiking, you know, like in front of like jewelry stores or like farmers or whatever. You, they, there's a guy with a microphone. Be like, hey, come over here. We're doing a sale, fifty percent off. These Dude, I've never suits. seen that. Really? Is that in New Zealand? I think. Uh, I don't know. No, I, I, I think it's rare here in New Zealand. I've seen a few, but yeah, it's called spruiking. I don't know what it was called until my friend told me that. Spruiking? Yeah, you pretty, did it? I've done it once. Yeah. Yeah, you did so like, good at that. Because I had an agent in Auckland saying, hey, you know, you're a performer. You, you're good at talking. Do you want to do this job? I was like, sweet, okay. Just stood there with a microphone and a speaker being Were like, you hey, you come and buy this, you know, 50% <laughs> off today. Oh, yeah, you know, your girlfriend, I think she needs a new ring, you know. That's so, actually really cool. Yeah, just the two hours of that. Hell yeah. Yeah. Do you, so to to get your spot here in Wellington, mm-hmm. right, you're applying through the Wellington City Council? Yeah, we get a busker's a license through the City Council. How much does that cost? Uh, It was free, I believe, here mm. in Wellington. Yeah. You just register uh, your name and details and then you just get a email with your uh your license cool and then do you have to apply for certain times once every year i think i think yeah oh then you apply so like i'm gonna apply for this year and i'm gonna have like a spot every week yeah so with the thing uh with the licensing uh every city and country does it differently right so here in wellington you apply for the license it lasts a year and then there's a few spots that you can work like the waterfront or the cuba street like for me uh, there's different categories Mm-hmm. So the show, type of show that I do is called a circle act. A Basically, circle act. it's a four, when you do a 30 to 40 minute show, gathering a crowd, uh, that's called a circle show. Uh, and then you'll see musicians, they're, you know, they just walk by buskers where they just find a small spot and then they just play. People walk by, give them donations. Like our shows, we have to gather the crowd, do the show and then ask for donations at the end. Mm-hmm. So uh, depending on the category, you've got different spots. Like walk-by performers, musicians, they can pretty much perform anywhere on Cuba Street. Some spots down Courtney as well, I think, and then Waterfront. But for us, because we do dangerous things as well, and we gather large crowds, we need the space for it. Mm-hmm. So Cuba's pretty much Cuba Street and like the Waterfront is, are the only spots that we can do. I think there's a few others on like the, in front of a train station and Courtney, but... I've never worked those spots. I just stuck to the, the two, Cuba and Waterfront. Yeah. What What do you reckon, like, the unique aspects of, like, a Kiwi audience are? Do you find them, like, a bit more reserved when it comes to engaging with the shows? Uh, Kiwi audiences are really fun. They get really into it. But, uh, yeah, I think sometimes they're quite shy. So, like, 
because uh you know the spaces we work are very limited so we have to climb squeeze everyone in we put out a rope and then mm-hmm. we try and get people to come up to a rope sometimes it's very difficult to try and get them to come forwards even if the rope is here and like they're like five steps away they won't move forwards because they're kind of unsure or mm. like yeah quite reserved and like, oh i don't know if i can trust this guy or so i kind of try and um be as friendly as possible and uh i'll do the tricks as to like break the ice and be like hey you know if you like the show come forwards and let's have a great time and then usually it works but yeah i do find kiwi audiences harder to like try and like move them or be like hey you know if you're blocking the footpath i'm gonna get in trouble can you guys help out please come forwards fill up any gaps and because like yeah like when i went to uh europe last year it was it was surprisingly easy like they know it i think I yeah, there's a bigger culture as well. There's like a knowledge behind it. Yeah, like. and then I was just like, oh, okay, it's getting crowded. It's people spread over. Hey, everyone, can you guys come forwards? Boom, everyone just came everyone forward. Everyone just comes I was in. like, what? Okay, I don't need to spend like everyone five, ten back. minutes. Step <laughs> back. <laughs> yeah. Your it, act is just shortened by... <laughs> Edinburgh, that's, that's the thing. In Edinburgh, when I did the, uh, the Royal Mile, yeah. there's a spot on the Royal Mile where everyone wants to perform, right? Uh, pretty much, when the previous act finished, this was my first time on the Royal Mile, I put my suitcase down I already had like 30, 40 people standing, <laughs> but they were so close. I was like, hey, guys, I haven't even started. I'm about to do some <laughs> tricks. Can you guys step backwards? I was like, backwards, move back, move back. I was and like, I've never done this it. before. Yeah. Hell they yeah. They were so keen before I even like started talking. Really? Yeah. Dude, that's so good. It was amazing. And so like when you're trying to collect like the donations at the end, this is what I'm so fascinated with mm-hmm. because when it comes to like uh, as a street performer, you're relying on, on donations essentially, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But I don't carry cash around. Ah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. so do you think, because how long have you been doing this for? Uh, 11 years now. Okay, so le- so you would have seen some changes then in yeah. like 11 yeah, years definitely. as far as like, because I don't carry cash. I just have mm-hmm. my cards. Yeah. Right. And I know you can have like the little FBOS machines, yeah. machines, which are great, mm-hmm. but they're a bit more intensive. You know, it takes more time exactly to that's get the thing like for me uh, i've started using a thing called busco <coughs> it's a uh, it's a thing that uh set up for street formers it's pretty much a website where you can register as a street former and then set up a uh, like online donation page right so and then you get a qr code so like on my suitcase i've got a giant qr code saying online donations and then when you scan it, it'll go straight to the page where you can pay by credit card or PayPal or FPOS. And I've actually got, I've got something with me actually. Yeah, man. I'm going to quickly show you. I've actually got one of these cards that I give out. It's got the QR code on Yeah, there we go. Full of a, scan full of YouTube. QR code on the- <laughs> <laughs> Zoom right in. Okay. Screenshot it. Yeah. yeah. So I just give them out. People come up and say, hey, thanks for the show. I don't have any cash, but uh, I would like to try and donate. I was just like, hey, you know, you can do it online. Cool. I give them a card. Something physical for them to remember as well. And it's got my social media as well. It's so a good idea. Yeah. Does it? I've um, been trying that recently. Does it work? It's been working, yeah, but it's just the way I have to pitch it is difficult because... Sure. Yeah. It's a bit more ASCII, and I feel like with that, you want to eliminate as many barriers to them paying as possible. Mm, you know yeah. what I mean? And like, there's something so much easier about hat, cash, Yeah, exactly. For me, like, I hold the hat in one hand. I use the other hand to high-five the kids and shake hands with people. Totally. So it's really hard. So if I want to get an FOS machine, because I can get it from my bank, right? Uh-huh. But then that's like... 
you need two hands for that. You need totally. a machine and your phone. And plus, people are like, you know, if you're on one half of the circle, yeah, and there's people over here ready, they're not gonna wait around. Like they that's don't, the thing. You know yeah, I mean? I'm like disappear. Fade yeah, away. I'm like, you know, I could do the cash donations, and then you know, if people want to pay by FPOS, line up here. You. That's the thing. Yeah. So my friend, uh, I have a friend called Amon. He's yes. a magician. He mm-hmm. performs on Cuba Street quite often. Uh, he has who will be coming on the podcast soon. Yes, Amon mm. is great. Yeah. That's next week, actually. Next yeah. week, sweet. Mm-hmm. That's we'll awesome. All right, cool. Uh, he has an Air Force machine, right? Yeah. And pretty much, he does the tricks. I mean, like, he's got his brother just standing there yes. ready to go with the phone. And then, you know, once he does his routine, he'll be like, hey, would you like to make a yeah. donation? And then, you know, he has his phone ready, the brother. And then he'll put in, like, oh, $10. And then, boop, scan, done. See, his thing is somewhat easier than your thing though because exactly he's direct one-on-one conversation yeah. so whereas yeah. you're with like a group of 30 to 40 people uh-huh. all you know like me it's like i i i would be reluctant to give my money and it's like oh and i have to wait to give my money yeah God, that's it, the thing man. if people want to have to wait they just go totally. oh you know if there's enough people we'll just move on 100 you yeah, can fade away i have seen it happen quite often so. and so with that, have you seen a decrease in the amount of money that you're taking in as a street performer? Is that like uh, a reality? or I haven't really noticed a decrease. I think since coming back here to New Zealand, uh, people have been really generous, like, mm-hmm. you know, because of COVID and everything. Sure. A lot of people are actually, like, keen to see shows and support, you know, local artists. So it's been good for now. Cool. Yeah. But I have noticed that less people carry know cash more people carry you know less cash so it's like yeah i mean i feel for like homeless people you know yeah exactly there's just like some of them are struggling quite a bit like there's no money going out i mean yeah exactly not even a matter of like chair i mean jesus christ imagine a homeless person with an f-boss machine i mean (laughs) i mean that would be amazing actually smart actually like no i'm a professional (laughs) yeah i mean like i have seen i know someone uh in melbourne that was uh while i was filming melbourne we had one of the homeless guys uh his name was james i think uh he had he actually had a smartphone you know really yeah he he would watch youtube and stuff to entertain himself but yeah yeah i mean i think a lot of the times is yeah yeah i don't i can't really you know what i really want to do though is I want to have somebody who is homeless on the podcast yeah, or someone who has been homeless oh, and just kind of yeah. get their perspective on it because, yeah, we get such a narrow perspective on it looking from the outside. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. Um, stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. That'll come. Now, as a magician, mm-hmm. how much of the tricks that you use are uniquely yours? Oh, okay. That's difficult. Uh, so magic. Feel free not to answer that if you don't, because magic isn't your main thing, right? It's uh, juggling. It's, it's one. Yeah, juggling is my main. Mm-hmm. I guess magic is my second uh, thing. But um, yeah, the thing with magic is like because you get people who create the tricks many, many years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's the base, and then people will learn the tricks. But then, as a performer, you will develop it into your own unique routine. Mm. or put a twist to it right so all the tricks the magic tricks that i do are definitely uh something that someone else has created but then i will take it and then pretty much with magic when you learn the routine you know you you, you get taught oh, oh it happened it we happened. knew it was it gonna happened. happen <laughs> just pull that down mess around with it was, uh, so people who are just listening uh kozo's mic got hit and now we're trying to realign it and it's going to be a real pain you know, in the ass. Actually my, Maybe uh, even trying like, powers. Yeah, yeah, mine. Yeah, you. T- oh, hey, you oh, just did it go. again, man. Look at that. Okay, you are a magician. I love it. <laughs> nice. It's amazing how we're talking about magic and <laughs> levitation. So, uh, 
So you take so there's there's just base tricks. Yeah, so there's the base tricks that you know pretty much the magicians that create it will sell it, and pretty much you. Which learn. is what I was going to ask the next yeah. question. So right. with magic, you you're learning, you're buying the secrets. Right. You're learning. Sometimes it comes to props, mm-hmm. but most of the time you're learning the secrets and the rights to perform it. Here's an interesting thing. There's a few things I want to unpack there. Yeah. Okay. So how much do tricks go for? Or oh. magic tricks go for? quite expensive to be honest are yeah, they like thousands is, of dollars yeah or? some some definitely yeah i've seen you know products that are like two or three grand uh a couple hundred dollars for something as well Jesus. but yeah it's it's the thing because like a guy would probably spend years developing and creating a trick right because most of the time with magic when i find out how it's done i think oh wow this guy's a genius like how how did he come up with this right and then uh yeah you have to, you you're paying for the secret you learn it and then you're not allowed to give it away obviously which is my next thing yeah so how is that policed pretty much uh you know the magic community is quite small and you know we all kind of know each other but like you know if someone is out there revealing the tricks someone will obviously see it and like try and stop him or talk to him or whatever is there can you do like intellectual property on a magic trick yeah yeah some people have done it yeah so you can claim ownership over the trick yeah as a performance piece yeah definitely they'll you know do it properly that's why it's so expensive because it's all registered and stuff and then some some products things secrets you buy you actually get like a little document saying you know this is the property of this person. You can't do this or here, here. You can't perform it on TV or whatever. That's the thing. You can't do most of the tricks. You can't do it on TV because it belongs to that person. Only right. that person can do it. And then can they, I guess, take you to court if you do? Yeah, it probably. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like, um, which, well, what's interesting is we don't really have that with jokes. You can't really yeah. put an IP on a joke. Yeah, because, yeah, I, I guess with stand-up and street performing, like, because we use jokes as well. And mm-hmm. then... I don't know if you guys have it in stand-up, but in street form, we have a thing called a stock line. Basically, it's like a line that a street performer came up with many years ago, probably like in the 80s or 90s. And then back then, it'll be his original joke. Mm-hmm. And then and then probably someone else will see it go, oh, that's genius. I'm going to start using that. And then that performer starts using it. And then a new person sees that person. And then it kind of just carries on. And then years later, like newer performers are using those lines that someone like one of the old school performers came up with years ago mm-hmm. uh it's called a stock line so it's like stock like just commonplace stock. everyone kind of uses yeah it. yeah yeah got you again like with us street performers when we take a stock line we would develop it into our own so we take the joke and then we'll change either the wording or the tagline or we'll add to it so it's try so and make it, it your own yeah years again so it's not exactly the same as you know what other people are saying that's i'm really fascinated in the marketplace yeah kind of thing so are there people who are i guess like career <laughs> magicians who are just creating tricks and and selling them yeah i know i know there's some p- magicians that only create tricks and don't right. really perform much they're, they're more of a creator uh and then some people will create and perform the trick interesting okay and some and people don't create like me I, i'm not creative so i don't, <laughs> I don't make my own tricks have you ever tried I have, yeah. There's few ideas, but then like it's just coming up with how to make it work. It's just the difficult part, you know? right? Yeah. Do you feel like um, do you feel like the like magic is more of of the sleight of hand, 
or is it more of like a science-based thing? Science. You reckon it's science? No, I was just interested. Well, in yeah, science. because like I feel like certain things use like you know chemicals that they can use. Oh, flash, yeah, true. Magnets. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, like a lot of because apparently there's that saying, you know, anything that we like, you know. Things that we don't understand, what we call magic is actually mm -hmm. technology that we just don't <laughs> understand yet. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if we showed somebody, if I could, went back 200 years ago, mm -hmm. and I could call my mom yeah. from the States, thousands of miles away, and talk to her, mm -hmm. it'd be beyond human comprehension, Yeah, which to them would be perceived as magic. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's just science okay. that's unexplainable currently. Yeah. You know, and that's where people are like, oh, I just, I can't even rationalize this or wrap my head around it. It's magic. Mm. You know what I mean? So do you think within, is it within, I guess, the magic scene? Is yeah. it, is it sleight of hand? Is it using uh, a bit of science? Well, sleight is of it... hand is definitely one of the longest uh, magic uh, things, mm. but uh, probably more common as well. Mm -hmm. But then uh, recently there has been a lot of technology involved as well. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. And yeah, science, flash paper, yeah, chemicals, all that. Yeah. All that stuff. Do you reckon, um, like, sleight of hand kind of originated from pickpocketing and theft? Uh, <coughs> I'm not too sure, actually, but there is a category called pickpocketing Pickpocket. in magic. Yeah, like, a, a, it's a routine where a magician will bring up a volunteer on stage and then he will actually pickpocket on stage on the spot. I've seen those. Yeah, like the, the whole crowd. And whoa, stuff whoa, like that. We no, go. we're good. We can fix it. Like the tie and stuff like that. Yeah, the tie, the belt, the wallet. Like the whole crowd will see it, but the guy on stage getting pickpocketed doesn't know because it's all distraction and like... That's you know. so wild, isn't it? Yeah. What about hypno... hypno I'm going to get a hip, hypnotherapist on oh, the yeah. podcast okay. in the future. Um, any experience with that? Like Hypnosis? Or, yeah. No, I don't know anything about hypnosis. I've seen hypnotists, but I'm like, oh, okay. I, I don't know how it's done. Like, it's probably, I don't know. Subtle cues. I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah. To, to find out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you think, Um, I mean, what's the craziest trick you've ever seen? Craziest trick? Yeah. Wildest thing. Like Magic or circus? Magic. I want magic. to hear magic and then tell me okay. circus. Magic, craziest trick I've seen. Uh, like one that just blew your freaking mind. Do you know Shin Lim? No. Shin Lim, uh, he is a American Asian magician. Uh, he won America's Got Talent mm -hmm. twice. Like the, the normal America's Got Talent and the champions where they get the, all the winners to compete Jeez. from past season. He won that as well. So he's like the overall champion. Right. Uh, he is a sleight of hand artist and he just does cards. He pretty much just uses a deck of cards and a sharpie and does a whole seven minute routine. When I first saw him, I was, it was just very mind-blowing because I do a little bit of sleight of hand myself and I know how it works. And knowing that, seeing his techniques was just like mind-blowing. I was like, wow, how do you do that? Like, is that even possible, you know? Well, okay, don't even tell me, actually. I'll ruin his act. Yeah. What do you get from winning America's Got Talent? Money? Yeah. Fame? Yeah. And sometimes a Vegas contract, I think. Really? Yeah. yeah. That'd be huge, actually. This is the thing with uh, the Got Talent series is weird because, like, sometimes the winner will get a contract with Sony. Mm. I'm like, that's only for singers. Well, when yeah. it first started, that was the thing. Like, New when New Zealand's Got Talent was on, I was asked to do it, right? I was looking through, like, the, the terms and conditions and, like, what the winner gets. Like, the winner gets cash prize, but it'll be paid out to you over 15 years. <laughs> So it's like 10 grand, but like over 15 years. I'm like, well, okay, it's going to take a long time to <laughs> get it all. And a Sony recording contract. 
I was like, okay, that's useless to me. I'm not a singer. Yeah. So first couple of years, it was always a singer winning. And then when people found yes. out that, you know, the grand, one of the grand prizes was a recording contract, people were like, hey, well, this is all rigged. I'm like, I mean, it's probably all rigged anyway. It's just TV entertainment. So. Sure. Yeah. But like they changed it. So it's no more Sony contract. It's cash prize and a Vegas contract. That's um, that's quite common with those like winning things for you yeah. win a show. They pay it out like like it's dog shit. Exactly. Yeah. Like Shin Lim when he won the Mercury's Got Talent, he hasn't got his prize yet. When was that? When did uh, he win? A couple of years ago. Uh, it's probably like five years ago prize. now. Yeah. Well, it's paid over twenty years. What's it, what was his prize? A million dollars or something? Yeah, hundred sure thousand. I can't remember. Crazy, Big dumb. crazy amount. But like, yeah, he he did an interview being like, hey, you know, like it's going to be paid over 20 years because he was going to open up a show Mm -hmm. with that money with that money but he doesn't have it up front so obviously he can't but you know he got picked up by one of the you know big touring companies anyway so he started touring around the world so he's cool yeah he's all good and he's got a vegas show now but do you reckon they do that because this is probably morbid are they hoping the person dies and then they don't have to pay the full amount? Oh. Or is it because they just don't have the liquid cash on hand? It's probably a com- I wonder if it's a combination of both. Probably, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Because if it's if it's a cash flow issue, that makes a bit more sense to me. It's still kind of, you know, twisted. I know the whole entertainment industry is kind of messed up anyway, yeah. from what I hear. You probably know more than me, actually. Oh, yeah, definitely. you've been in the game a lot. Yeah, longer. there's so many stories I could probably tell about, you know. But. Do you want to? Maybe. Uh, maybe not if you don't want to burn any bridges. Maybe if the subject comes out. But, oh, yeah, there's at one point. Yeah, man, yeah. if it does, let me know. But yeah. I just, I know, like, with, um, with like, Lotto as well. Oh, yeah. Similar things happen. Like, yeah. I think I think you can have a choice, actually. It's like, do I get paid out in a massive lump sum or yeah. do I get it paid over a, a long period of time? Uh, but 20 okay. years for 100 grand, it's just like... Uh, yeah that's like i know right that's so dumb yeah i just yeah i know it's all just so so Mm. screwy but so you were on you were on new zealand's got talent right oh i never was on it i've been asked a few times like both new zealand and australia's got talent and so why didn't you go through with it i never liked the format oh yeah the format or like the competitions because like you have to there's like so many restrictions with what you can do or like, you know, the producers will tell you what to do. And like most of the time I disagree. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. That's not me. Or like, you know, plus like, you know, the performers don't get paid. That's the thing. Like they expected me to cover my own travel and, and accommodation. And it takes like a whole day or two to record like mm. the 10 minute segment you do. And then, um, yeah, it's, it's a popularity contest. You know, you have to be like, hey, you guys vote for me, please. And, you know. So, and anyways, even if people vote, then even if the guy, one certain guy gets the most votes, it's not guaranteed he's going to win. It's up to the producers and the casting directors to decide, oh, actually, we want this guy to win because we want him to get this only recording contract. And Interesting. Yeah, I've just heard so many stories, you know, of people being on the shows being like, hey, you know, like they, they don't treat us well. And then they just like, you know, cut off. Or, like I had a friend that did New Zealand's got, no, Australia's got talent. Uh, she's a aerialist. And then she appeared on you know the audition on tv boom made it through amazing and then later on in the contract well they she got a call being like hey so for the semi-final performance we've got this little story that we want you to tell and that we want you to cry and be emotional and be like what and then she was like well no that's not even true why would i do that no i'm not gonna do it next day i got a call being like hey you've been cut from the show 
bite. Yeah, just like that. Yeah, just like that. It's like so, like you know, people watching the show, they don't know. Like she's suddenly not on the show. They're like, hey, I thought she made it to the semi-finals. What's going on? And, and they don't uh, even see that. Yeah, they don't know. They don't know what's actually happening behind behind the scenes. Interesting. Yeah, man. yeah. I I just know. I think so much in the entertainment industry is really based upon what moves tickets, mm. connections, and what moves tickets. Yeah, and like what kind of gimmick or thing you can drive the most amount of revenue to, mm. you know, like money from even, I've only been in this for like two and a half years coming on three. Oh yeah. But I just know like with the bigger stuff, cause it's weird. Like the bigger you get, like the less community focused things become. Oh uh, yeah. Do, do you think so? Cause I feel uh, like within, cause I feel like within, um, from what I can see, it mm-hmm. sounds like within, within your space, at least, you know, the magicians and the performers circles quite tight. Yeah. Yeah. But do you see when people get bigger and they kind of, they, they move out from that? Does it, does that community involvement fade away? Do um, they remove themselves from it? Does it? I think I've seen some people kind of fade away, but I think most people are still kind of involved in the community. Like they stick in it after they've gone like, you know, yeah. I mean like with uh, Facebook and stuff as well, we can still communicate and, you know, they'll still keep up to date with what was happening with their, with the community they were involved in. So I guess I'm wrong. Gavin learns. Uh. That's the great thing about this. Anytime I'm wrong, I can (laughs) just say I learned. (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's I guess like that's a great thing about like social media is become like a great leveler, mm. you know, to put everybody on a similar field. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay, well that's interesting then. Yeah, well I, I guess with at least with my community because I'm in the street performer community, circus community, and magic community. I'm not actually that involved in the magic scene because mm-hmm. I I know a few magician friends, but I'm not like heavily involved in the scene. Like I don't go to like the, the meetings or all that, but uh. Yeah, like, especially the street performing and circus community here, New Zealand is very tight as well. Mm. Or even around the world. But actually, the street performing community around the world is actually quite tight. We all know each other, so. Yeah. yeah. Is it quite small? So, yeah, compared to other thing, other communities, yeah. Yes, it is small, yeah. Where does um, circus come into your life? Circus? Yeah. Do you ever, have you ever joined a circus? Yeah, actually, um, pretty much uh, in high school. I started. I started with magic. I what start- got you in? Yeah, give me your story. Yeah, I'll do. Like- I'll do the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're, so we're pretty much start- in high school, I got into magic. So I started learning card tricks, and then I'll do tricks like during maths class or something. Get told by the teacher. Sure. And then actually, maths. One of my maths teachers taught me a mathematical trick. I was like, oh sweet, cool. We don't need to do class today. We're just doing magic tricks. <laughs> and then uh, I decided to teach myself how to juggle because my sister, actually, my sister Lisa, she started juggling couple months before me she picked up really quickly i was like oh it must be easy i'll try it took me like six months to learn but um and then i learned how to juggle that was my hobby throughout my high school years and then i go to the weekly juggling meetup we had in auckland and then a friend of mine who was already a performer like professional juggler performer was like hey do you want to do a gig you know there's a there's an opening for an airline company at this bar you just need a fire juggle outside for an hour i was like sweet well okay i'll do it and then I did the gig, and I was like, oh, "This is amazing! I can't, I can't believe I can get paid for juggling." And started getting gigs. And then when I finished high school, I joined a circus and just traveled around New Zealand. And then after circus work, I decided, well, I was street performing 
back before I even started professionally performing. So, I'd, you know, busk outside New World or like into the busking competition. And back then, talent competitions were a huge thing. So, like, I know I said I don't like talent competitions, but I would enter the local school ones and like the, the more ones because I wanted that exposure. Mm-hmm. Be like, Did you hey, just dominate them because you're like a professional entertainer? I never won them. I always came really? second. Again, a singer was always the winner. Right. That's the thing. Yeah, I'm man. like, damn, all right. And then again, actually, I remember Westfield was doing a, uh, what was it, five minutes of fame competition? Mm-hmm. It was like Westfield a big, Mall. yeah, Westfield yeah. Mall. It was a big national competition for like uh, under, under 18s, right? So I show off your talent, win big prizes, right? I was like, this is great. So I did like a couple different malls you can you can apply to the different malls you can oh, so you're in multiple competitions at the same time yeah so i do like nice. the you know like the, the north shore one and then i'll do the auckland central one spreading and, your bets yeah like but it. like again when i read the terms and conditions winner got a contract with a recording company so That's like so funny, i could never right? win that was the thing i right. always came second and there the singer no, would always win yeah dude yeah. that's crazy and then yeah pretty much uh i use for talent competitions to actually get better at what i do because I entered again the following year to see if I can get better. I and mean, then the judges were the same. So they saw me the previous year and they actually gave me good feedback. Because I took the... You still come second? I won one of them. Hey, what oh, did you I, win? I can't remember. It wasn't... Damn. It was like... It was cash prize, I think. But um, yeah, I think... I don't know what happened. Maybe they got rid of a recording contract or whatever. But I took the previous year's judges' uh, you know, comments. Being like, okay, cool. I need to improve on verse and verse and verse. Cool. Took that practice. Following year, came back and then got positive feedback. So I used that as like training, trying to make myself a better performer. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't care if I don't win or not. I'm just using this to kind of, you know, get video footage and try and make myself a better performer. And that really helped actually. And that was while you were in the circus? Before. This Before. was during school, while I was ah, in high school. Okay. So I do all those talent competitions. I'll do some busking and then... Yeah, after that, when I finished high school, I joined the circus. And then is that a circuit? What's the circus called? Uh, so I worked for Weber Brothers. Mm-hmm. I did a few few uh, performances for them and I helped put them tent up. And after that, I joined Circus Aotearoa, which is like pretty much one of the New Zealand circuses that are touring here. How many circuses are there in New Zealand? Currently, there are three. So there's okay. currently there's Weber Brothers Circus. Uh, Circus Aotearoa and Zerka Circus. Zerka Circus, yes. Yeah. So okay. Zerka is the Chinese uh, acrobatic show. Mm-hmm. And then Weber Brothers is like the international show. It's owned by Kiwis, but they travel. They used to travel around New Zealand for years. And then they went on a world tour. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of just recently came back and started touring New Zealand again. And then Circus Aotearoa is New Zealand owned as well. And when you're in a circus, are you just are you paid a salary? Yeah, it's a it's a weekly weekly salary. So cool. we we agree to a contract. We're like, hey, we get paid this much, and then we know we do the shows. So most of the time, it would be like Wednesday to Sunday night. We do shows. Or weeknights, we do one show. Saturday, two shows. Sunday, two shows. Is and it fun? It's great. I love the circus lifestyle. Yeah, it's exactly it's a lifestyle. So yeah. like every week, you're in a different town or city, and then you get to perform your shows. Uh, yeah, and then. Put the tent up. What are your living down. conditions like? Are you in a van? Or? Caravan. Caravan. Yeah. Okay. And they so, give you a van? Yeah. Most of the companies will provide a caravan and cool. then that you live in. And then, you know, with Circus Aotearoa, we'd always have like a family meal. So always uh, after each show, we'll, someone will cook with meals and then we'll all sit down, have a nice meal. And oh, that's lovely. Yeah. So it's very family, you know. Do you want to get back into that? 
I wouldn't mind it. But yeah. that's the thing. Um, right now, I'm really into doing my own things, like sure. with the street performing and my solo shows. So, kind of want to focus on that. So, when you join a circus, you it's a contract. So, like it'll be six months, one year, two year contract. Mm-hmm. So it makes it a bit difficult for me because I can only do the circus work. But you can't do something on the side as well. You can't like jump out in the street during the day. Yeah. Yes and no. Okay. Depends on the contract. But again, like you know, with busking, I mo- mainly do weekends and school holidays. Sure. Same thing with circus. You perform on weekends and school holidays, so it, it doesn't match. So I can't do both at the same time. Yeah. So what is like? Yeah, that that, that dude. Yeah, I can totally get it. It's a yeah. weird conflict in time too, as well. Like yeah, time exactly. Management. It's just not enough time as well because mm-hmm. you have to practice and then do the show. By the by, the next day you're tired, so you want to rest mm-hmm. and do the show again. So rinse and repeat. Mm. What's the career? Because I know this is a lifestyle. But what is like the typical progression of a street performer? Is there like is it just stick in the game as long as you possibly can? Yeah, I guess so. For me, yeah, I guess I'll keep doing it as long as I can do it, you know? Cool. Like, yeah, if, if there's a place I can perform and people are willing to donate, support the street performers, then yeah, I'll keep doing it. Do you have a Patreon? No, I thought about it. Cause Dude, like, I think you should do a Patreon. During, during lockdown, right? Because uh, I didn't have any income, so I was like, oh man, what am I going to do? Okay, I'll try and do some like videos on YouTube or like... I set up a thing called uh, Kofi. Mm-hmm. Kofi.com, have you heard of it? No. It's spelled K-O-F-I.com. It's a page, uh, like a donation page made for creators. Okay. So I know a lot of like, you know, illustrators or graphic artists or, you know, cartoonists and like performer type people registered. It's pretty much you go on the page you and you can donate and support what they do. So like I can post my videos or photos there, little description saying, hey, I'm a street performer, circus performer. And then I use that as, you know, like, I lost work, it's COVID, and, like, sure, if sure. you can spare, you know, buy me a coffee for $5, please click here. And then I was kind of getting that uh, during lockdown, which was great, because I could buy groceries using that yeah, money. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, I'd, I'd, like, every week I was releasing a video of me doing a trick, being like, hey, if you like that, please support me on Kofi. Oh, so it was link. working. Yeah, it was kind of working, which is good, yeah. So when you pay, when, when people pay you money on Kofi, do they then get access to the stuff that you put out there or uh, is it access first and if they like it then they give you money it's access first yeah gotcha. but you can follow on Kofi and then like i could i was able to put up exclusive stuff as well but so it's very similar to patreon then yeah, yeah. Very similar to patreon. but I, I i as a busker i prefer to put the stuff out there and be like hey if you liked it yeah please don't yeah right i, I prefer that way better. See, yeah see patreon keeps, you have to register and pay monthly right correct yeah it's like from what I understand, it's like, you know, there's different tiers. You can set up yeah. as many tiers as you want, $5, $10. Yeah, yeah. I know, like, some people do it really well with their online content. I don't know what that would look like for a street performer, you yeah. know? I know what it looks like for podcasting, um, but I'm not nearly. Yeah, yeah. There. I think with Patreon, it has to be something that people will get something back. Totally. So, like, a friend of mine actually suggested when I thought about Patreon was like, hey, why don't you, like, post your knowledge on the Patreon page, like totally. knowledge as a street performer, as a juggler. Why don't you give them like advice? Yeah. So that people register, they get the information and feedback and all that. That's a great idea. Yeah. So I, I mean, like, there's nothing wrong with trying it, man. And I think, yeah, you know, you have, um, you've been it for a while. Like 11 years is a decent chunk of time. Yeah. Now that I think about it, yeah, it's, it's a long time. A hundred percent. Like, 
And I think if like you have a community that supports you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, people who are interested in getting involved and stuff yeah. like that. Let me know if you do do that. Yeah, I'd yeah, be I will. Have to shout you out on there. Yeah, yeah. I'm always thinking about doing different things. So. I like it, and I think it's like quite a, uh, it's a tough market to survive in. You know? Yeah. So we've got two more questions for mm-hmm. you. Um, what's the easiest trick you can teach me? Easiest trick? Yeah. Do you have like Do you have a deck of cards on you right now? A deck of cards. Uh, actually, uh. Just business. No, cards. I don't. No, I Damn. don't. Can you teach me a trick, like with anything that we have a in here? A trick, uh, besides like the thumb one. I mean, <laughs> really good oh, the classic. Uh, yeah. maybe with the card. Uh, if you give me that one. Okay. See if I can actually. Maybe I'll do it to the camera. I guess. Oh, it's just a simple. I don't know if that looked good or not. I'm quite no, rusty I with can, my sleight of hand. Yeah, I can yeah. See it, it, it makes sense for but for you, it's like it'll be like oh, oh. Didn't work. Damn, didn't work. But it's it. basically like folding it into like your two fingers. Yeah, yeah. It's just an easy. Sli- I've got another one here. It's a, it's a very easy slight. Um, Can I try it? With yeah, it's called a back palm. Basically, you're gonna hold the card like that. Yeah. With your two fingers and your thumb, and then as you bring it down, you twist it, and then bring it behind like oh, that. Okay, so you're palming okay. it behind your hand. So it looks like that. Oh, secrets revealed. Damn. Don't watch if you don't want to learn how it's done. <laughs> Gavin learns magic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like from a distance, you can't really, if you're waving it around, you can't really yeah, see the corners. Yeah, see what but you're doing. Yeah. Let me try. All right. So I go here, here, and then. And then pinch it like that. Like that. Oh, see if I, I'm prepared. And Damn it. So what you want to do is uh, hold it between the two middle fingers there. Yeah. Yeah. And then you oh, bring no, shit. Sorry, there we the go. index and pinky to mm-hmm. the front. Pinch it there. Bring these two in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... And then, yeah, ah, there we go. And then behind. That's the hard part. Use all your finger muscles there. That's actually quite tough, man. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, sometimes I like watch a movie and just sit there doing this for like two hours practicing. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm working on a a card manipulation routine right now. Yeah. I've been on and off for for like maybe a year or two, but I just want to do a routine with a deck of cards, making cards vanish and appear and everything. So this is like the basic of making a card vanish and appear. I think I've got it, man. Well, I'm getting close. Shit, that's cool. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, okay, and the last thing. Uh, well, you know what? I don't even really want to ask the other question. I was going to say, like, what's the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you while performing? Oh, yeah. Do you know? Oh, man. See, I, I kind of just forget these things. So I, yeah, I, you I, have to, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> it'll take time for me to remember. But embarrassing thing? Um, I don't... I don't know, actually. No yeah, stress. yeah. I can't think of one from the top of my head. I, I know mine exactly. Yeah? Yeah, 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 man. I went and did stand up comedy over at a bar in town, and it was a musical open mic. Oh, and okay. I was like, well, I just need to get up. I need to do more gigs. So I applied. No one knew that I was doing stand up comedy. Oh, so I get up on stage, and everyone in the audience is like, you know, eating their meals, talking with friends yeah. and stuff like that, and they're like, okay, you know, and the guy would be providing background music for their thing mm. next up gavin hughes i get up and <laughs> i just ruined everyone's dinner it's just like, hey, i was like hey how guys how are we all doing 30 seconds of actually trying to get people's attention oh, to stand up and they hate me and i'm up there yeah i'm getting no laughs i'm telling jokes uh, and no one's freaking laughing <laughs> i brought Two, I bought two of my friends there because I was like, this is going to go horribly. I'm going to need some support. And they're just in the back cracking up. And 
uh, halfway through my act, some guy starts yelling at me. Oh, yeah. And he goes, tell us a joke, bro. You're not funny. You're not funny. And I started going like, you know, who the hell are you, dude? And he goes, oh, I'm one of the other acts. And what the hell? Yeah. And I was like, oh, when are you on? He goes, oh, after you. And I went, well, I've warmed them up for you. And they were just hated me. And I just went, all right, screw this. Walked off, beeline out of there. Yeah. Oh, that was the worst gig I've ever done. And I never went back to that bar. Oh, wow. So they won. That sounds like a similar story, actually. I've done a dinner show before. Yeah. But, like, the people there didn't know there was going to be a comedy juggling show it's happening worst, right? so i went out I, w- I had to do half an hour because my shows i involves lots of talking interacting with people getting volunteers up and they just didn't want it so i go out like, hey you know like how are you guys doing they're, they're in the middle of a meal <laughs> like eating with i'm like oh wow okay you guys are eating okay cool this is gonna be great they're not even like most of them aren't even looking at me right? sure so I'm like doing my opening bit, telling jokes. Like, okay, no, no laughs. All right, I'll just start doing the tricks. I start doing the tricks. And then I come to the part where I need a volunteer. And then I was just like, okay, no one's volunteering. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, okay, you you eating the steak. Come on, come up, bring your beer. And then like I pretty much just forced him in the middle of his meal and conversation with his friends. And Did he hate up. you? Was he super relaxed? Yeah, I was just like, yeah, this guy clearly doesn't want to do it. I don't want to do it either. But, you know, we got to, you know, getting yeah. paid to be here. So I got to entertain the guests. So. It was very awkward and yeah. Did you ever weird. get asked back? Uh, I can't remember. I d- probably didn't want to do it anyways. So. That was your big break. Oh. No. <laughs> yeah, I kind of avoid dinner shows now. But if I do a dinner show, I always request that I'm on before or after the meals. Clever. Like yeah. never during the meal. I need a focused audience. Oh, there we go. One more. There you go. Yeah. It's all a learning curve, right? Well, dude, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on kozochaos.com or on all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, cool. uh, MySpace, if anyone still uses it. Kozo so, spelled K-O-Z-O. Yeah, K-O-Z-O-K-A-O-S. K-A-O-S. Yes. Cool. So not so, C-H. No, cool. not not the actual way of spelling it. Cool. Yeah, so, Sweet. And then otherwise, if you're in Wellington, oh, you can see me on Cuba Street or uh, the Waterfront most weekends. Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you just go to my website or social media pages i post where i perform all my gigs as well so cool and yeah i'm available for gigs if anyone wants to hire Woo! me yeah I'll yeah come and, and me you. as well actually i can do anything idea. from corporate to bars or even your backyard so nice dude yeah well hell yeah man thanks for coming on man hey thanks for having me man bye see ya Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen i hope you enjoyed the episode um listen if you listen to me on youtube like and subscribe if you want to follow me on instagram where i occasionally do some funny stuff follow me on instagram at gavin hughes now you can follow all of kozo's stuff just by looking in the show notes he's on instagram he has a website he's got shows all around wellington he's amazing uh he's a great juggler i've seen him many times he does take donations and i do kind of try and sneak away before he can ask me for money uh, not because i don't have any um but just because i really like the drive that not having money gives code so, um, listen i don't really know where i'm going with that but enjoy i hope you enjoyed the episode merry christmas it is that time